You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All righty. Here we go again. Happy hump day, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Uh, Today, we are joined by Jesse Faderician out of Northeast Pennsylvania, and this is a good old-fashioned BS session, man. Uh, We talk about how he got into hunting. We talk about how he kind of uh, uh, learned from his father, who was doing the run-and-gun type method of hunting for a long time before it was popular, and uh, we talk about how that kind of rubbed off on him, and it's just a good old-fashioned BS session about uh, a hunter out of northeastern Pennsylvania who hunts high-pressured ground, hunts some private ground, and uh, I tell you what, it's a fun podcast, man. I had an absolute blast uh, talking with Jesse today, and... uh, Funny thing is, he is from Scranton, and Scranton is uh, home of the show The Office. I'm sure most of you are aware of that, but uh, that's that's where he lives, and that's where he calls home, and that's where he hunts. Now, before we get into today's podcast, we got a couple things. We got a a commercial coming up, obviously, but I am getting ready to later this week launch a new nine finger chronicles vlog and you can find that on the sportsman's nation youtube channel all you got to do is search sportsman's nation or nine finger chronicles and uh, it should pop up Uh, once you do that please subscribe right subscribe to the the sportsman's nation youtube channel um there is a lot of great content uh, that's being uh, put up there on a weekly basis. We got my man Bob Polanik of Hybrid Outdoors. He is putting up a ton of steelhead fishing videos. Uh, if you live where there's steelhead fishing, you know that's a big popular thing to do. Uh, he's out of Michigan and uh, he's definitely uh, hitting the waters right now fishing for steelhead. We got my man Parker McDonald uh, down south, and he's putting up uh, some southern ground vlogs on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel, and he just recently killed a turkey, so go check out that vlog, and then I just caught um, probably three of my top 15, top 10 biggest bass of all time, and I made a vlog about it. And uh, that's going to be up really soon, so go check that out on the uh, YouTube channel as well. 
last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Wasp Archery. Now, you guys know I'm a huge fan of Wasp, uh, their company, their customer service, their products, right? And uh, I'm telling you what, they make some kick-ass broadheads. They have the mechanicals, but I'm a huge fan of their uh, fixed blades, especially the Wasp four blade or the boss four blade is what what it's called and you can go to wasparchery.com and check out all of their products but they have a new um a new product uh, this year called the Havilon. now what they did is wasp teamed up with Havilon knives and they created this badass uh this badass broadhead it's a fixed blade called the Havilon, of course uh so check uh, look out for that it's a i believe it's a three blade yeah it's a three blade broadhead and uh they're trying to talk me into using it this year i don't know because i'm in love with the boss four blade we'll see what happens if you want to save 20 percent on your broadheads uh go to wasparchery.com and enter the discount code nine fingers that's the number nine followed by the word fingers and you'll save 20 percent now we've done a lot of talking and if you're not subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. All you got to do is go to iTunes, search Nine Finger Chronicles, all spelled out, right? The number nine, or the word nine fingers, or nine finger. God, I'm screwing up my own promo here. Nine Finger Chronicles. Subscribe to it. And uh, guys, we are going to be giving away a prime bow here pretty soon. More details to come on that, but make sure you're paying attention because uh, I want you guys to win a prime bow, man. So pay attention to that. All right, I talked too much. Let's get into today's BS Session podcast with my man, Jesse. All right, I'm on the phone right now with Jesse Fatterishan. How you doing, man? Good. How's it going, Dan? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, sunshine in Iowa today, so... Uh, I couldn't be more happy. Yeah, same thing here uh, in Scranton, PA, Northeast PA here, home of the famous show The Office. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife loves that show. Okay, there we go. So do they actually film that show in Scranton? I I don't think primarily. They I, they were here a few times, I know. It's, of course, a, a massive deal here when it does happen, when they do come by. Yeah. But... As far as filming, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm actually I'm pretty sure not so. Do they have a lot of like tourist attractions for the office in that town? Not so much tourist attractions. They when they come they'll do like a, a like a mini convention. Ah, I got some you. of the hotels downtown. It's and it's like literally like a it's insanity, pure insanity. <laughs> I believe it. It's a very it's a very popular television show. I mean I got invited to go to this uh, thing one time in the bar, in like local bars. They have something called a trivia night. And okay. so then they go and they ask questions about that show. So like you get a team of people and then whoever has the highest score at the end of the night wins some kind of prize or a tab or whatever. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's Scranton PA. Put it, put this little <laughs> old town on the map. That's right. That's right. So what do you do for a living in Scranton? I'm a route driver for a uniform company and linen supply, uh, Dempsey Uniform and Linen, here gotcha. in the region. Okay, so you pick up dirty clothes, take it back someplace, get some, get it washed or whatever, and then you take it back. Yep, sure do. That even uh, mats like uh, runner mats in and out of restaurants, yep. towels, yep. aprons, uh, the whole gamut, really. Yep, 
Absolutely. Cool, man. Awesome. So I, I take it that keeps you busy. Yeah, sure does. On sure the does. road a luckily, lot. You know, luckily for me, it's a, it's a four day, four tens I do. So okay. that, that off day comes in handy in bow season. Yeah, absolutely. It does. So I, I take it you're on the road uh, a lot, listening to uh, a lot of podcasts. Oh, there, there you go, man. You, you nailed it. <laughs> I, for uh, sure. And I, I think I've learned more from podcasts in the last two years from you and Mark and the guys than, than I learned my 30 years prior to that, really. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good information out there. That's for sure that there wasn't, you know, several years ago, but today we're going to do a little bit of a hunter profile podcast and just kind of BS with you a little bit, uh, about hunting, uh, in Pennsylvania and whatnot. So the first question that I just, I'm going to go right all the way back to the beginning. When were you introduced to hunting for me it was it literally day one my my dad is a, a lifelong hunter he right right from the start i was hunting i i have pictures of me well not hunting but interested in hunting right and, and around hunting you know from i have pictures that i'm four or five years old standing proud next to the archery target in the backyard nice. and for, for me it was it was my whole life so when, when I hunted, you know, nowadays in PA, there's some programs, great programs, mentored youth hunts, where the age is maybe six or seven, you can go with a licensed adult and go hunting. But back then it was, you're waiting until you're 12 years old for your hunting, period. Yeah. yeah. So by the time that came, I was like, walking into the stand for the first time ever, that first day of archery, I was literally nauseous, like almost <laughs> vomiting. Like it was the build. I, I think about it now. It was literally the build up for twelve years. I bet a lot of guys in here are laughing right now because it was my whole life until then. Right. And now the day had finally come. You know. Right. Right. So were you able to go out and sit with your dad and you know while he hunted, or were kids not allowed in the woods? That the legality I'm not aware of, but we didn't do that. I actually don't think that was allowed, as far as I know. But as we would go scouting, you know, preseason, I would be able to sit with them yeah. and, you know, sight and rifles and do the, do uh, archery practice, stuff like that. But at that time, no, I didn't, there was no accompanying rules like that. I don't think so. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, so for, for 12 whole years, you were interested in, in hunting, you know, and you didn't get the opportunity to hunt until that time. And it sounds like, the buildup was almost unbearable. So I, I don't know you're the first time you ever saw a deer when you were 12, did you about pass out or what? It was, it was on that level. That was, it was definitely <laughs> on that level. I, I just think this is, that's like, it was like my 20th hunting season last year, which is a pretty cool milestone. But yeah. uh, I think back to that. Now here I am that first day. I, I finally make it up in the stand, the good old wooden built tree stand, yep. you know, Yep. So I get in there and it's just me. My dad was going up. He was actually doing a hang and sit. He he was doing that. His friends thought he was totally insane. Right. He would go with his old lock on tree stand, which was actually a stand ahead of its time. Now that everybody's with these light stands, mobile stands. Right. He went up above me about 300 yards. So I get set and it's, you know, it's coming to light and I'm like hanging on by a thread at this point, you know, and the first deer I see, comes out about 80 yards down below me 
coming out of the field is just brute of a six pointer. But like, even by today's like a shooter, really. Yeah. He comes out out of the field, goes right across now, and he but it's eighty yards down below me. But I saw that, and that like, wow, like perfect experience to have. Yeah. First later time. later on in that sit, I saw two other bucks locking horns, and then two more young bucks, all out of range. But I saw five bucks on my first sit, and I didn't need anything extra, but that sent me over the edge for hunting. That was it, man. I was in beyond in. And you didn't even you didn't, you didn't even get a chance to uh, shoot them or, or kill anything, but it was that experience that where you went out. The first time solo, you were by yourself, you were 12, and uh, that experience right there pretty much concreted your position as a hunter. Yeah, no, no question about it. If if I didn't know, now you know, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome, man. So as a kid, uh, I mean, preparing for your first season because you couldn't hunt previous to that, like what kind of responsibilities or or tests or things did you that you or did you have to do before uh, that hunting season to prove that you were you know ready to go hunting oh absolutely in in pennsylvania there is a hunter safety course yep we went to that and the way they did it was like the first day was like literally like 12 hours i think yeah sitting through class work scenarios situations the whole nine yards and the second day, you take your written exam. And truthfully, I, from all the hunting, I just watched every monster box, every prime time, the whole deal. <laughs> I wish they had an option. Like, can I test out of this bad boy? Because I would have, I would have just flew through that. Just give me the exam. I'm, I'm not ready. But it's a good thing they do have the hunter safety, and that is a requirement. Yeah. Before your first license in PA. Yeah, yeah. Just, just out of curiosity, how old are you? Right now, I'm 33. 33. Okay, gotcha. So uh, you had to go through hunter safety course, you know, just like a lot of us had to. But what about your dad? Did you? I mean, was your dad sitting there? Was he the one who was teaching you how to shoot the gun, teaching you about yardage and distance and all that stuff? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. My dad's my, my mentor still to this day. And he actually had a great video. It is something guys should think about nowadays. It was... It was from Buckmasters. It was called Taking Your Best Shot. And what that video was, was analyzing angles of the deer and where you need to aim and giving the examples of, okay, if the deer was walking, you shoot. By the time your arrow would get there, you're you know in the paunch, we'll say, yeah. and drop. And that was a thing like, like that he, I watched that video more than any of the other videos. That was what he wanted me to do. And I, thinking back no that was awesome yeah and we kept watching every, every that was like a thing like a ritual then for years to come after that we would before archery let's just watch this just you know do some homework here but that was really a great thing yeah yeah just kind of a refresher before you actually go out and hunt like here are the vitals and sometimes kids need that because you know <laughs> i'm i'm quickly learning that kids need to have those kind of refreshers because kids aren't very good listeners and they forget things that aren't necessarily in front of them every single day. So definitely that, that would be a perfect reminder. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That that was on old VHS. So eventually that ran its course, <laughs> that video, but 
we I think we do need something like that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what about bow hunting? Was that always a part of your guys's uh, like family tradition as well, or did you start off as a rifle hunter and then, like the rest of us, kind of evolve into archery? No, not not for me. I was fortunate to be bow hunter from from the start. That was my my first sit was an archery sit, and later that year I was fortunate to harvest uh, a young young uh, button buck, and with the rifle. Gotcha. So it was amazing getting that that deer. It was on a small little deer drive. My dad and I were sitting in the same little wooden tree stand. I don't even know how we got into it. That buck came through. I got him. But my first thought after that is. Man, I can't wait for bow season next year. I got to get it done with the bow. Yeah. So you actually started out when you were 12, you started out bow hunting. And then, you know, as the year went on, you you also were, uh, I guess you, you were also a rifle hunter as well then. Right. Yeah. The way, the way PA season is, it's about six weeks of archery. Gotcha. That goes out. That goes out in the second week in November, the end of that week. And then yeah. rifle comes in around December 1st. And that's just a two-week season, the center fire rifle season. Gotcha. At that time, there was no – there was, there is now an inline doe season in the third week of archery. And in that time, the, the youth hunters can use a, a center fire rifle. Gotcha. But back then, man, if you didn't get one in, in bow, you're, here we go. It's time for rifle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, um, how hard was it for you at, if you can remember back to when you were 12, you to pick up a bow and start to be accurate with it? Was it something that your dad preached and preached? Hey, man, if you want to be good, a good bow hunter, you got to be good with, uh, with the bow. Yeah, no, that, that was, that was one of the number one things as well is that if you're going to be going out with a archery equipment, you better be ready to kill this animal and be very ready you know for the respect of the animal even yeah so that was the thing like anytime we can man we were out there you know flinging arrows for sure yeah so it sounds to me like your dad was on top of his game as far as you know not not only educating you about the weapons but also educating you about the animal as well did he play i mean did he sit down and have conversations with you also about strategy where deer like to live where they like to bed and where they eat and all that stuff so that that's the thing now where i think that's where i've now taken my game to the next level you know recently back then was like we we knew runways for sure you know we we knew where deer were eating but bedding and stuff like that wasn't something we we actually even really thought about much was was bedding area yeah we knew deer like to come by here but not necessarily why they came by there right right yeah makes a lot of sense so as you got older right and you started to you know be a be a little bit more self-sufficient in the woods um, maybe even getting into school and then i'll just use my experience as an example you know Sports became a little bit more of a priority for me. You know, trying to impress the ladies became a little bit more of a priority for me. Did you did you go that route or did you stay the hunting route? That's that's funny you asked that. That that next year now when I was thirteen, 
I was starting to do football and stuff more, but I was, I, I had known, I'm like, look, you got I want to get this done with the ball. I enjoy that season much more. You see in deer and their natural moving patterns, not pushed, not looking over their shoulder, not barreling through the woods. This p- rifle season here at PA is literally just almost all out mayhem with the amount of hunters that is going on. But yeah, so that next year archery came and it was, I was hunting hard religiously. I'd been shooting my ball. Everything was dialed in. It was about the third week we had a, I'm thinking back now, it was a, like 15 degrees below the average temperature. Yeah. There was no wind. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. So all these things are, I'm connecting the dots back then to now that it was a beautiful high pressure day is what it was. Yeah. And below that average temperature, it's it's the day we're all looking for, you know? Yeah. And back then we was, I don't use it at all now, but I, I was using a Dolan heat scent. Yep. Old Ben Rogers Lee one. <laughs> My dad had put that out. He had gotten his buck the week before a nice seven pointer with the ball. So he set me up. We're in the in another wooden tree stand. And I'm sitting there and that buck, it was it was a beautiful seven pointer. Just real nice buck. I looked at the side and he's coming on a straight line with his nose up directly at that doe and heat. So I anticipated him coming down below me where the run was. So I'm set up on that side of the tree. Well, he comes up on the, on the above me. So I have to come around and I catch my broadhead on the piece of bark. Oh, and it boy. rips off a of bark and goes down. So he, he like takes two bounds, but he didn't care. He's looking for that dole. Right. He, he had that in mind, man. He turns around, comes back, pull back, hold right on there. Just squeeze it off, man. It was, it's still one of the most perfectly located shots I ever made. And that was my first buck with the bow. Right. Double lunged him, man. And that was at thir- and he went down throw. That was at thirteen. Thirteen, man. Yeah. So yep. let me ask you this: You know, you shot a deer with a gun the previous year, and now this year you, uh, you know, you're thirteen. You shot this buck with a bow, and now it's like, what you know, what you wanted happened. It came true. Like, how jacked were you when that happened? Oh, it was. It, it, the the funniest thing too is my so we had the old Motorola talk about radio so I'm I'm calling my dad feverishly he's hunting fall turkeys about you know, a quarter mile down over staying out of my way I can't get a hold finally I get him and I'm out of my mind by then I'm still in the tree <laughs> he's like Jess it all sounds good but just stay there just sit tight I'm gonna come up I'm gonna get there then we'll we'll see what we got well. So, uh, no later that he got off the radio, he's going to listen to this and start laughing. I, I immediately climbed right down and ran over to where I hit him. So I'm looking around. I'm like, what? I, then I saw the blood trail. I'm like, oh, my God, I got him. I <laughs> hurry back, scurry back up the stand, and I'm like waiting for my dad at that point. So, you know, he, he gets there, and we begin the blood trail. And then as, as we're going down, he's like, he's getting – overwhelmed with emotion and so am i then because he knows because you can see the blood trail double sides with the bubbles yep yep he he knows it's it's any second now and dude when we saw that deer it was like the, the amount of emotion was indescribable really it was total amazing yeah it's kind of funny when you know i i don't know if i've necessarily gone through any of that yet with my kids like I get jacked right now. I get excited when my daughter, uh, she's in this reading program uh, because she's fairly good at reading uh, 
for her age. And she's reading these books to me uh, on a nightly basis. And uh, I get jacked when she can read a, through a book with no mistakes, right? And uh, I, get, I get fired up about that. You know, oh, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. But reading's a little bit different than like my passion, which is bow hunting. So I know that the time I took my wife out and she shot her first turkey with a, you know, with a gun, I was almost more excited for her to shoot that turkey than I ever had been for shooting my own turkey. And uh, so I can see how a parent would just get overwhelmingly excited uh, when their, their son or daughter takes their first deer, especially with a bow, you know? No, absolutely. And I, I'm a, I'm a newer father. My, my daughter, Liviana is going to be two in May. And my, my wife, Alyssa and I, like you're just saying a, just a small feats at this point, like we're just taken aback almost near tears. So again, someday, like you're saying, if my daughter takes to hunting and that first harvest happens, I could, I can only imagine Dan. you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so where did it go from there? I mean, as you got into high school, did you still put as much effort into hunting or did you go into the sports and whatnot? Yeah, so that's tying back to where we started before. Yeah, then then the football, the you know, the baseball. Football season was always tough because that was during archery. Right. So I wasn't getting enough. I wasn't shooting the bow enough. I wasn't doing the things I needed to be done. So unfortunately, I was still hunting. And I did make a bad shot on a deer. Yeah. And unfortunately, we weren't, weren't able to recover. And from, from that day forward, I'm like, look, that's when I really, I'm like, look, you, you got to put the time in. And if you can't, you should be responsible enough to know, all right, maybe I shouldn't go with the bow. Yeah, absolutely. So did you quit bow hunting for a while and only do rifle? No, that stayed with it. But I, that immediately that next year, oh, gotcha. I started back to religiously shooting a bow. I, I had corrected my mistake, if you will. Gotcha. I, I, at that time, I switched to a thumb-style release, and I was shooting almost daily at that point. Yeah. Because actually, I, I I now know that I, I had always kind of suffered from a from target panic. You right. know, I, I knew how to shoot a bow. I knew how to hold. I was rock steady. I had all the... Everything was there. But every time I drew, I'd come set... And for whatever reason, man, I'd be dead set, locked in, not moving 10 inches above where I want to hit. Yeah. And then just, it was a mental block. I would, I would, I couldn't lower that pin to the center. It sounds trivial, but I know some guys might have that. I mean, that's target panic. Yeah. You know? And yeah. for me, that, I, I, I would combat that just by shooting as much as possible, trying to work that out of the system. But yeah. what all, what changed everything for me entirely was the the day i picked up a back tension release yeah right so how, day, how long ago how long from a from an archery standpoint now uh how long ago did you pick up a back tension release for me the year it was 2010 so nine years ago nine years roughly ago. around this time before leagues in my my local uh, archery shop okay so talk to me about uh because you you uh in this message you sent me through Facebook, you're like, "Hey, I want. I'd really want to talk about 3D tournament sh- or 3D shooting and how I feel that helped me out in the in the woods." And I have a feeling that starting with that back tension style of release really helped you out. 
yeah, that it was an absolute game changer. Yeah, I, I picked it up. Now it was a, a true ball hot tension release. Now a lot of hinges, you might see a guy at your shop like it's the head swivels a lot and it's like banging around a lot and stuff. But th- this one has a spring in it that holds it closed, so it's dead silent sitting there. So I, I picked that release up. So I, I knew the concept of it. I've been reading about it. I've been thinking about it. So I just I, I remember right now I pulled that ball back. And that pin just settled in dead center, man. And I just squeezed through and I hit dead center. I go, my, my world just changed, I said. The yeah. very first arrow. I, I never put it down since that very moment. Nice, nice. So do you feel, so you feel, obviously, that it, it helped you out a lot? Yeah, no question. It it, it literally cured that that mental block, that target panic issue. I. I went immediately ran right into the 3D range at that shop and I'm just, I'm hitting like exactly where I want. I'm like, it's like laser beaming in like that the very day that it happened, everybody's warning me like, Oh, you're going to eventually get a bloody lip. You'll punch yourself in the face. You'll send it. None of that ever happened. It just, I had known how to use it just by reading, right? Keeping your thumb pressure on when you draw. And it was a total game changer. And then about, Three months later, it was like my first tournament, the, the PAIBO state championship. And I shot like a 311 with 13 X's. Now, like a 300 would be all 10s. You get that center X ring. Those are 11s. So I was 11 up from all 10s even. Like I won by like eight points. It was absolutely amazing. It literally, like all the fundamentals were there for me. I, I had known how to shoot, but the missing piece of the puzzle was that back pinch release. Gotcha. So... You know, I mean, I've even got criticized on social media uh, and on some of the podcast reviews about uh, people saying that, you know, I don't know, one way or the other, that uh, I need to practice more, right, because of the shot I put on my buck this past year. So I've, I've already started shooting this year which, you know, this is about the time where I start shooting anyway, but I've picked up the pace just a little bit more this year um, and have started to shoot more times a week, more arrows uh, whenever I do shoot. So I want you to give a pitch for people to either maybe join a 3D, not necessarily competition, but maybe a league, join a 3D league or pick up a back tension release. And, And if you were the salesman on that, I want you to uh, talk to the guys who are listening right now about why they should do that. Well, absolutely. Now, as you, as you guys heard now, I I was an archery hunter my whole life, but things really, I, mean, I, I can't stress that enough, really changed when I did go to that back tension. And then especially the 3D. You'll hear a lot of the top guys, the Levi Morgans, John Dudleys, they wanted to become a better hunter, so they started shooting 3D. Now, when you hear a 3D shoot, they're – there's local clubs all around that it's it's not even a high stakes tournament that you're doing. You're doing 30 targets through the woods. It's 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 literally a, an awesome afternoon out anyway. But the thing is, it's not it doesn't it's not a, always a high stakes, all the marbles you know type situation. And there's different classes. Like I I shoot hunter class. I'm not in the open class with three foot long stabilizers and six power lenses and stuff. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not my cup of tea. My hunting ball is identical to my 3d ball. The only difference is I use a little fatter arrow for cutting lines. That's a little lighter. 
it's it's literally the same setup. I I think that by going to back tension put me at a high level in 3D, which put me at my highest level as a bow hunter, which was the ultimate goal. Right. I go in now with the confidence of when that deer comes up, I I'm honestly I get the mindset that I'm I'm a badass and it's over. I'm going to get it done. Yeah. It's literally taken me to that kind of level, which has made me that much more deadly of a bow hunter. Yeah. That's awesome that you say that because that's something that I don't necessarily feel I have that, you know, I'm a badass walking into the woods type feel yet. And I think that when a guy doesn't have to worry about his shot anymore and he's like it's just it's almost automatic for him because he does practice so much and he he knows that you know when something comes through he's going to get it done but i always i i look at you know 3d target like what you said and the deer are always standing broadside they always are not moving but you go into the timber and they could be coming from multiple angles they could be coming from uh you know straight under straight to you straight away from you whatever right so do you feel that it has that much of effect on you so then when a deer does come in and it's an awkward shot that you you still have the confidence to do that absolutely that's as you're telling me that i'm thinking of an exact example in my head of a nice nine pointer i harvested a few years back with the bow he came out grunting about 50 yards below me he's coming right almost right at me so as he's coming i thought he was going to turn up a run and go up to the north a little bit but before he turns he stops i had drawn already because i thought he was going to turn i wanted to be ready he stops and just looks directly at me now it's a it's a very very sharp quartering two angle that he's at he's quartering to me quite hard but i knew the yardage because I've been doing that. I'm like, well, it's 25 yards. I know he's looking at me, and I'm right on him. I'm just, I'm, I'm putting it right there, baby, and I'm going to let her put it right on him. I did just that, and I just hit exactly where I was aiming. And I think that comes back to what you're saying. Like, I had the confidence in knowing I, I'm putting that arrow exactly where I want it. And whether that deer's quarter and two away or whatever, what have you, I know I'm going to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you hunt with your uh, back tension release? Yeah, that that was the big thing too. So when I I picked this up and I had tremendous amount of success immediately in the hunter class in 3D. So one of the guys at the pro shop I'm at, I'm like, well, what, you know, what do you think? Should I hunt with this or should I start messing with a trigger release? He goes, you're shooting great. You know your equipment. Yeah, absolutely. Try hunting. I, I I'm like, yeah, I think so. So actually, yeah, all these deer, ever since that I've gotten with the an archery season, it's yeah, I I hunt with the back tension, no problem. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I and that's one thing that uh, I never understood until I've had some conversations with some people, you know, over the last couple of years, and uh, they they're like, well, why why practice with one thing and then go out and shoot your deer with another thing, and uh, you know another release, and then. You know, eventually these guys are telling me that they switch to back tension, they shoot then like a thumb or a, you know, a trigger release, and then they ultimately go back and start hunting with their 
back tension release just because that's what they've practiced with all summer long. Right, exactly. And that I I never liked that because that could be changing your anchor ever so slightly. Like unless you could there's a handful of releases that are basically identical, the thumb version and then the, the back tension version of that release. But if if that's what you're using in in deadly with all summer, yeah, I I'd say stay with it. And I mean with a back tension, I, I don't know if you've been trying it out yet enough, but if it was a desperation, you could, you know, intentionally get it to go up. That's again, defeating the purpose a little, but it's not like you might miss it. In case some catastrophic event happens, you can get it to go off, you know, with your hand, just get it to go off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So did switching, I know you, you, you mentioned one specific example of a deer coming through. I mean, and your confidence started building up, you know, did that turn into direct success with uh, getting more deer on the ground for you? Yeah, it's funny. It's, it seemed to have really. And I don't, I don't know if it was because of my mentality that, like I said, that badass mentality I started carrying myself with that, that probably did have something to do with it. You know, you just walk in with kind of all the confidence in the world and it seemed to lead to success. Now, during that time, I, as I've been listening to more and more podcasts over the last few years, you know, the, the mobile hunting trend, it was like, as I'm hearing you guys talk about that, I'm like, wait, this is what I am doing already. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I always have my climbing tree stand and it was like, but you know, way back when within the wooden tree stand days, it would be like, Oh, there, <laughs> there was a buck down at a hundred yards. Oh, too bad. My stands right here. Yeah. Like for whatever reason, it was like, not even like thought like, Here's my tree stand. This is where I sit, and that's all that's to it. Yeah. So, so it sounds like you know, your dad. Learned. It sounds like your dad had been doing that, and kind of that's how you were raised. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. We. I'm. <laughs> I'm using my same API climber that I had way way back then. Even. Yeah. To this day. It's funny um, because I remember going turkey hunting with a couple guys uh, after I started her- turkey hunting, and. They turkey hunted by sitting in a blind and waiting all day. And I did that one right. time and I was like, I'm, I'm never going to do like, unless I'm with my wife, I'm not going to do that because I was raised or I was, I cut my teeth with my uncles who got me into turkey hunting. And that was call a little bit. And if they're not there, man, you go chase them and you go get them yeah. and you keep moving and moving and, and you run and gun throughout the timber all day, you know? And, uh, of course that's on big piece of public ground that we had access to. And, uh, it was one of the, it's just one of those things where I, uh, um, I, I don't know. I, it, it, now that I look back at hunting, you know, I wish I, I was, I wish I was mo- mobile when I started hunting back in the day, because it would have educated me on, you know, getting some encounters with some really big deer. I remember, I remember, um, man, I was probably 17 or 18 years old. Yeah, maybe even my first, yeah, it it was while I was in high school. And I remember watching this giant buck come out of a thicket, just like you, 100 yards down from where this tree stand was at. And every time he'd come out, I'd rattle at him. I'd call at him and all these things. And uh, he'd he'd look up and he kept walking, look up, kept walking. If I knew then what I know now, I would have moved my tree stand down on this fence line and had a shot at him 
And instead, I didn't know anything about it, and I just kind of watched this buck do his thing, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And even the piece I get to hunt, unfortunately, I hunt a little piece of private up here in PA, about 80 acres. And it was each year, it's like one, the, the food chain goes as follows. It's number one, if there's acorns, you got to be in them. Number two is you got apples, they'll go to the apples. And then the last thing in line is just a cut hay field, basically grass and clover. But I started learning like each year, those, those mass crops would be different. Yeah. So I'd have to move to where these deer were. They would change year to year. Yeah. You know, and that would come back to the scouting. Yeah. And for me, it was, I would have like my normal starting spots where I would hunt. And then I, I always like scouting on the way out you right. know, during the season, because not, if the acorns are all ate up in the first two weeks, you know what I mean? I gotta, I gotta move elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, man, sounds like, uh, it sounds like everything that's kind of happened to you has put you in position to be a, a really good killer throughout the years. And some of the pictures that you sent me uh, kind of solidify that. Now, one thing I want to ask, being a Pennsylvania resident, you know, they've there's been some talk recently about, and this is something I've never really talked with anybody about, about adding Sunday hunting, right? I guess currently in uh, currently in Pennsylvania, you can't hunt Sundays, or did that law pass? Nope, still we still cannot hunt Sundays, and a lot of guys are going to relate to what I'm about to say. Last year, in archery season, those six weeks, it seemed like every Saturday was like rain, major wind, super warm, and then that Sunday would come, and it would be here the high pressure, little to no wind, you know, perfect temp. It would be. We're all, and then here we are just sitting here looking out the window on Sundays, you know? Right, right. So let me ask you this. Why did Pennsylvania ban hunting on Sundays all those years ago? I, I'm pretty sure as ties into religious reasons, Sunday being the, you know, God's day off, if you will. Right. But also, I don't, maybe though the game commission might say that it has to do with maybe keeping the, the game a, a day of rest actually believe it or not right right absolutely you would think that that would be on monday when everybody would go back to work yeah there yeah really yeah no absolutely huh anyway but as far as sunday hunting is goes I'm, I'm i'm obviously for that give us the, the option you know I, I like i told you the days i work sometimes i do come in on an half day i i get saturdays only you know right a lot of guys only getting one day because they're you know working guys yeah Absolutely. So has there been so much like momentum and pressure from hunters to the state saying, Hey man, we want to hunt Sundays. And is that how this law kind of, um, is just, you know, a whole bunch of hunters banding together, organizations banding together and saying, Hey man, I want to, we want to hunt Sundays. And they just have pressured the state into introducing uh, this new legislation. Yeah, for sure. I know, I know it, it's passed a lot of the preliminary stages. It has passed. I think the actually the, the, the final rule on ruling on that will actually be coming very, very soon. But uh, I know there's a page on Facebook supporting Sunday hunting and I've support that page and it's, they have a pretty massive following. So I, it is, it's hunters getting together in PA and surrounding States, putting the pressure on legislators and it. It really looks like it's going to get done, which is, yeah. Excellent news. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you think of it this way, too. Obviously, it's going to allow more people to spend time in the woods, right? More money is going to be spent on gas. More money is going to be spent on food. More money is going to be spent throughout the entire state on, you know, hunters going from their homes to the woods, right? You know, and uh, I think it's just going to be beneficial for everybody. Yeah, I mean, no question. And it, a lot of, you know, game, in PA, it's the PA Game Commission. I mean, more funds are going to help any, everybody. Right. Biological studies, in law enforcement, the whole nine yards. I mean, why not? Yep, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking time to hop on the podcast uh, with me and chat today. We have about one time. We have about time for one kick-ass story from you and i want you to share like the first one that comes to your head maybe not about the biggest buck you've ever shot may it doesn't have to be bow doesn't have to be rifle whatever just one memory of something throughout your entire hunting career that sticks out that uh the listeners might like to hear i'll get i'll give my last uh, archery kill is a real super nice a pointer maybe in the mid 120s we uh I was struggling the, the whole season of archery. It was it was going into about the fourth week of the season, in and around that Halloween, kind of the magic day up our way. And, man, not seeing any deer, not seeing anything. And I I said to myself, I was sitting on a Sunday, of course, not hunting. And I'm like, I, I got to figure this out, man. What, what are these deer doing, man? What, what, what's happening here? I was hunting all my normal spots in and on. I, I, I kind of went to a spot where, it was, you know, kind of a forgotten spot. It was down lower than they normally crossed this creek in a particular area. And I found the I found the remnants of a pretty fresh scrape. So I'm like, you know what? This looks pretty good. I, I told I texted my buddy, I'm like, you know, I I think I'm on to something here. I think I'm definitely on to a spot here. So that Wednesday came up. I I slipped in there in the evening and my dad was up above me. About, he still still bow hunts to this day with me, which is awesome. But uh, he was about 150 yards up, and it was getting dark. He called me on the cell phone. He's like, I, I think I'm going to get down. I'm like, Dad, there's still still a little time. We still got a little daylight left, man. I, I, have, this, I have a feeling. Man. I definitely have a feeling. Hang tight. So I'm sitting. All of a sudden, I look, I look back, coming up from west of me, from down below. I just see this tanker of a body coming up through. I go, oh, my oh man, it's going to happen. The problem is I need him to get here in shooting light. So he's, I'm looking back, I get turned around, I get set up. He's coming up broadside. And I'm like, now when I get in there, I, I'll, I'll range trees all around me. Now I'm good at judging yardage from my 3d experience, but if you got a range finder, use it. I mean, obviously. So I, I had spots picked and there was a, there was a log laying sideways down and I, I knew that was about 40 yards. So the buck's coming up and I'm like, Oh, please. You know, a lot of guys can relate to this one too. Like you just wait, like get here in enough daylight, legal shooting hour, please. He comes up and he, as soon as that goes by in a tree, I, I pull back and I'm like, as I'm at full draw, looking through the, the housing, the, the site housing, I'm like, wait a minute. He's, he's behind, behind that log. So it's about 45 yard shot. He comes out. And I just put it on there, man. And I'm like, just pull back, pull through, stay with your sequence. Breaks off. I hear that loud crack. And he goes up running, 
He does a little half moon, and then he stops. So now I'm watching him about 90 yards, stopped. I could see him wobbling, but as he's standing there, it's getting way too dark, dark, dark. And all of a sudden, I don't see him, and now it is totally dark. So I'm like, okay, I, I, I know I smoked him. The shot felt great. Little bit of I know my dad had gotten down, and it was coming down towards me. So he's calling me up. He goes, Jess, what? What'd you shoot? Bigfoot man that crashed through the woods. He, he was ground level when the situation was happening because the deer went up in between me and him were, were. He's like, what, what just happened, man? I go, just like that, dad. I just talked about all of a sudden it just happened so quickly, man. But I think I smoked him. So he comes to me and we, we, I climb down. I'm in my climber and I, we just gather our thoughts for a few minutes. We're like, I'm like thinking, I'm like, dad, if you were coming down, you didn't, Bounce and receive going. I mean, this sound, this was all looking real good here. So we ease on up with the flashlights where I hit him, and there's the blood trail, like just outstanding. I'm like, this, this looks like a hard shot, even that. Like we're, it looked that good. So we're tracking him around, and man, there he was, right where I seen him last. It was really amazing experience, and I and I still got to enjoy that with my dad. He's in his mid 60s, and even this past year, he we we doubled up again. That was the last. Awesome. Yeah, we doubled it up. Yeah, it came down the rifle this year. You know, I, I had a lot. I seen a lot of bucks, good bucks in archery, but I like hunting my way into my best spots, and I was just a hair off, man. I'm getting one in the bowl, but I we both got it done in rifle, and I hope everybody got to enjoy that story. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, thanks for taking time to hop on the podcast, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, sounds like you've had a, a great hunting career so far. It uh, it makes you happy, and it makes uh, you know allows you to spend some time with uh, the people that you love. And good luck the uh, upcoming seasons as well, man. All right, yeah, you too, man. Good luck, Dan. Thanks for having me. It's just I really appreciate the opportunity, and I'd love to stop in if you have any ever want to do it again, man that's how you do a podcast ladies and gentlemen huge shout out to jesse man really appreciate your time huge shout out to all of you for taking time to download the podcast be sure to subscribe to the sportsman's nation whitetail feed be sure to subscribe to the sportsman's nation big game feed and all of the podcasts on the sportsman's nation as well as the nine finger chronicles you know you can't i can't forget uh myself here right huge shout out to all the partners of the podcast Lone Wolf, Wasp, Ripcord, Ozonix, Prime and Hunter Safety Systems. Guys, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. I'm telling you right now, these companies uh, are going to be doing some giveaways with me uh, later on this summer. I want you all to pay attention and keep an ear out for that. All right, so uh, there's that. I think we're good to go. If you're not following me on social media, please do that. Instagram, Facebook, Nine Finger Chronicles, Sportsman's Nation, blah, 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 blah. If you're going to be in a tree, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us to please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of the week. <laughs>